You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1,561 and interview number 1,248. I'm excited. We've been on the air since March of 2009 with the longest-running business podcast in Orange County, California, coming from octalkradio.net. Is there something holding you back in your life? Are you overwhelmed and stuck in your past? Author Elizabeth Benton shifted her whole life by overcoming her personal obstacles and then reaching new heights. All of this is written about and talked about in her latest book, Chasing Cupcakes, How One Broke Fat Girl Transformed Her Life and How You Can Too. If you'd like to learn more about this radio show podcast or the CEO peer groups that I chair, then visit our company's website, Critical Mass for Business. It gives me great pleasure to welcome author Elizabeth Benton back to Critical Mass radio show and podcast. Hi, Elizabeth. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. So I, uh, in the open, I kind of read the title and read the subtitle of the book. So for our audience, could you just share what is the main idea contained within your book, Chasing Cupcakes? I wanted to create a resource book for how to create change. Because what I found to be true for myself and what I found to be true for so many of my clients is that we know what we want to change and we know why we want to change it. And we have this burning desire and yet so many of us don't execute against that. And we feel like the same excuses and the same barriers and obstacles still confront us. So I wanted to really make a resource to help you in those moments so that those barriers and those excuses and those limiting beliefs or past patterns just don't hold you back anymore. So I think you might have answered that question, my next question in the previous answer, but what was the inspiration that caused you to make the commitment to writing this book, Elizabeth? Struggle. I struggled for most of my life really wanting something so much different and being completely baffled at the fact that I could want change so badly. And for a lot of my life, the change that I wanted was weight loss. And for a lot of my life, the change that I wanted was success in business or getting out of debt. And I was absolutely dumbfounded that I could want this change so badly and then get in my own way over and over and it seems cyclical and once I found the tools and implemented them consistently to get out of that cyclical pattern of really wanting change and then failing to create it I knew I wanted to to document that so other people could have the resource that I wish I had and it is a great resource and we're going to be touching upon some of the content there's a lot more in the book than I'm going to be able to get to in my 20-minute interview with our author Elizabeth Benton but One of the things that you talk about in the book is this idea of lead and lag measures. I wonder if you could, for our audience's benefit, sort of give us a highlight of what you talk about in the book relative to those two terms. Absolutely. It's actually a a terminology and a concept that I I learned initially about in real estate and investing um, and a book, The Four Disciplines of Execution, which is is a really great read. But the principle here is that oftentimes we are focused on the things that don't move the needle, that don't drive the results. For example, a real common one that a lot of people struggle with is weight loss. 
and we focus on losing weight and how many pounds am I down, but that's not what moves the needle. And if instead we identify what are those things, those behaviors that really move the needle, then we get results so much faster. If you're wanting to get out of debt or you're wanting to start a business, we have to identify and then really put our energy on the things that move the needle more than the outcome itself. Because the outcome is what drew us to the process to begin with, but it's really about the process and the steps and what really creates the outcome you're after. And we got to shift our focus from the outcome to the daily actions we can take that are what are responsible for creating that outcome. And I say this book is chocked full of information. And I'm gonna, I know when you were writing your book uh, as an author, you're you're writing, you're developing your voice. There there must have been a you know, let's call it a target audience because this is a business show, but from a creative source, there must, been, there must have been a person or a type of people that you were attempting to reach. So, you know, who did you write this book for? Other than myself and my struggling self, I really wanted to help break free anyone who feels stuck in a pattern of wanting change and not creating it. And it really doesn't matter what the change is because the things that get in the way are what we have to focus on. So for all those people who have had a goal for a long time and feel like it is just an endless struggle and two steps forward, two steps back, that's what I wanted to help here. How we can no longer get in our own way, how we can identify those things that continue to hold us back, that continue to be the obstacle in the road and clear those things permanently. Elizabeth Benton is our guest. We're talking about her book, Chasing Cupcakes. You know, one of the things that I believe, uh, as I read your book, uh, you know, the point that you made, and maybe you can share a little bit more around this, but, you know, I took a note down here. um, you, You talk about clinging to your problems because, one, they're familiar, and, two, they might help to justify the lack of progress that you're making. So, you know, talk about making progress. This was one of those areas where I thought you were helping the reader to understand kind of how your thought process may not serve you. Can you give a little bit more context around, you know, why it's not a good idea to cling to your problems? Yeah, the example that I always think of when I'm trying to help my clients see when they're in this pattern is the times when we've been at the airport and our flight has been delayed. And if we walk up to the ticket counter looking for the gate agent to help us get on another flight, And they stand there and they look at us and they say, oh, man, that's rough. I hate when that happens. You know, we had this problem this morning. And really, we have it every day. So I feel you. I know how much (laughs) this is really interfering with your life. We stand there and say, like, thanks, but (laughs) I don't need your sympathy. I need a solution. I need you to get me on the next flight. We wouldn't have tolerance for that from a stranger, from a service provider, and yet, We do that to ourselves all the time. We commiserate with ourselves and with others about the problem instead of getting to the solution. So if we have a standard for, say, when we call to get our washer-dryer repaired or we are looking to get our flight rescheduled, if we have a standard of that service provider being a creative, energetic problem solver who gets to the solution as quickly as we've identified the problem, well, we cannot possibly hold ourselves to a lower standard when we are responsible for so many of the solutions in our own lives. 
So I always tell people, as soon as you know what the problem is, get out of it and get into the solution. Because for as long as you circle the problem, how you feel about the problem, how you arrived at the problem, how you've been here before, you're not giving your energy to creating a solution. And you only have a, a limited, finite amount of energy. And if you're spending it all in the problem, then when it time, comes time to the solution, you may have drained yourself needlessly is, is kind of what I'm hearing you say as well. Oh, absolutely. How many times have we just felt totally exhausted before we even get into action on the solution because of the emotion and the attention and the energy we've given to just circling the problem? And your point uh, is, too, that it's familiar and it sort of rationalizes maybe the lack of progress that we should hold ourselves accountable to making, too, doesn't it, by kind of reverting back to how difficult the problem is and how hard it is and the challenges that we're facing. It suits the ego, because if I can make a case for all of the reasons I'm not doing the work, then when I'm not forcing myself to acknowledge and to own and to transition away from is, you know what, I am responsible for creating a different outcome. So when we, we think about the ego, it really satisfies that need to be safe and right to justify the problem, but it also prevents our growth. So we're talking with Elizabeth Benton. We're talking about just some of the content in Chasing Cupcakes, and um, there's quite a bit more in this book, and I uh, highly recommend taking time to read it and become familiar with a lot of the great thoughts and advice that you provide. You know, one of the things that you wrote about, and maybe you can share with our audience a little bit, is this, uh, this concept of a all-or-nothing pattern and how actually the all-or-nothing pattern can actually prevent you from making progress or enable you to continue to do the behavior that you're trying to change. So could you give us a little more context about the all-or-nothing pattern, please? Absolutely. So imagine you are late picking your kids up for school one day. It wouldn't really work to say, oh, well, I blew it today. I'll try harder tomorrow. And you go back to whatever you're doing and you just leave your kids at school, you know? <laughs> I mean, and, and we laugh because that's so absurd. Right. And we would never do that. And yet, that happens when we blow our budget. It happens when we indulge in a food that we said we weren't going to. It happens when we miss a sales goal. We'll just say, oh, well, I guess I screwed this one up. I'll do better next time. But the reality is to create change in your life, we have to be fresh in every moment, fresh looking for progress in every moment and not using a past moment to justify dismissing an opportunity that we have right here, right now in front of us to create change. It's funny because you can you can say, OK, today I'm going to not do what I know I should do because tomorrow I'm going to start doing it forever. This is my last time of not doing what I know I can do, and you sort of justify another day of not doing the thing that's in your best interest. We use our good intentions to let ourselves off the hook. You know, tomorrow I'm going to start getting up at 5 a.m. so that I can, you know, get in the work I need to do before whatever starts in the day. But I talk a lot in the book about not letting the past, so I blew it with something, I didn't hit this goal or the future, what you intend to do tomorrow or next week or next month or next quarter, do not let 
the past or the future factor into what you are able and willing to do right now. Today is all there is, and a huge key to success in creating change is just leaving the past and the future out of it. It does not have a place in the decision-making of the present. It really seems to overcomplicate the moment, doesn't it? By burdening yeah. yourself with both what you've done in the past and what might happen in the future, when all you really have, as you say, convincingly throughout the book, is you really just have the moment of decision right now. What is, What are you going to do? And it's because we know what cards to play to let ourselves off the hook, right? Our right. great intentions for tomorrow, that usually works. But we have to become aware of those patterns, and then act differently, behave differently, choose differently so we get a different outcome. Marshall Goldsmith wrote a book by the name of Triggers, and one of the fallacies that he writes about in there about being able to manage oneself is that we think knowing is doing. Just because we know we should do something isn't the same as actually doing it. And, and I, and I kind of I, I found a, a, a variety of other authors that I respect and the teachings and the principles that they have in their books, I found similar strands of thinking in your book. And I'm going to come to one of those when we come to chapter 11, but I'm not there yet. I wanted to ask you if you could uh, explain this concept of how internal conditions can lead to external conditions. You know, your thoughts lead to, th to a series of reactions that end up becoming kind of the reality. So if you could you help our audience to understand what you talk about in your book with internal versus external conditions, Elizabeth? Absolutely. I, I talk about how you cannot hit an internal goal with an external target. For example, well, once I hit this income goal, then I'll be able to relax. The income goal is the external goal. Relaxation or less stress, that's the internal target. So many of us operate from this stance of thinking that, well, if I just get this external goal checked off, then the internal condition will be taken care of, but it doesn't work that way. These things need to be pursued separately because what happens when we don't get that right is we hit that sales goal or we reach that, that milestone, that external thing that we said would change things, and we don't feel different, so then we just raise the bar, and then we're in a constant pursuit. It has to be more, it has to be different, it has to be better. And we're not taking ownership for the fact that we can pursue those internal conditions now. Even before you hit that external goal, you can pursue that internal condition of less stress or more calm right now. And these two things really have to be pursued separately. Boy, as, thank you for that. As you describe that, it sounds almost like an addict who thinks the next high will solve the problem, and it doesn't. And you're always elusively chasing this external locus of control over your own happiness when, in fact, from your writing and your work, you can. everyone in our audience controls it in, in, their, in and of themselves. They can choose happiness over unhappiness, right? And if we don't learn that now, and we don't choose that now then no matter what external goals we achieve, we'll achieve them without fulfillment or without those internal conditions that we're really driving for to begin with. You know, I have Kevin Lawrence coming in to speak to our CEO peer group community in December about his book, Your Oxygen Mask First, and that's exactly what he talks about as well, is how sometimes people who seem on the outside to have 
everything you could imagine to be happy, and yet on the inside they're hollowed out and unfulfilled. And so that's those are very dramatic, high-profile examples, I think, of what you're talking about in your book, Chasing Cupcakes. Absolutely. So, you know, I said other authors, and in Chapter 11, which you title Simplicity, you start every chapter with a quote, and this quote was from one of my favorite authors, Jeff Olson, in his book, The Slight Edge. I'm a big proponent of The Slight Edge, and frankly, Elizabeth, as I read your book, it was very reinforcing to me because, again, there were some common foundational beliefs, as you just said earlier in this interview, that all you really have is the moment in time when you get the choice to make the decision, and so I just wanted to uh, acknowledge for you how reinforcing reading your book was to one of the foundational books that I've adopted, which is the book by Jeff Olson by the name of Slight Edge. That is a game-changing book. And it, and, and it parallels a lot of the teachings and experiences that, that I find in, in your book. So I, I think there's a, there's a library of powerful tools that could be in everyone's arsenal, and Chasing Cupcakes should be one of those books. If, if Triggers or, or Kevin Lawrence's book or, or Jeff Olson's book is something that has resonated with you, because you know, my audience tends to read books and listen to books on tape, if you've, if you've listened to those books, I think you would love reading Chasing Cupcakes because it, again, brings in a different view, but there's a lot of reinforcing concepts within that book. You know, you, in your book, you end it with I, a couple hundred questions. And I love it. And so I'm, I, I, I want to, first of all, ask you to um, explain why you did that. And maybe before that, share with us how powerful it is. Think about the questions that you ask yourself. If I have one tool in my life that has transformed me the most, it is asking myself better questions. First, just asking myself questions and now continuously asking better questions because no matter what your goal is in business, in life, in relationships, to get to the next level, we have to become better thinkers. And to become better thinkers, we have to challenge and evaluate and explore the way we're thinking now. And it's a free tool to ask yourself questions. And that was really the, the theme of the resources in this book is how can you take the tools and then turn them inward and begin to use them with something as simple, as accessible, as free as a question. So at the end of the book, yeah, I compile the list of, of about 200 questions that you can do one a day. You can choose them for different situations, but ultimately what they're going to do is they're going to help you become a better, more strategic thinker and a more creative, energetic problem solver for yourself and everybody in your life. The nature of the questions you ask yourself frame your reality like, why am I so stupid? Or why can't I manage my finances? Or why can't I eat right or control my weight? I mean, you're actually programming yourself by asking yourself questions, those kind of questions, in a way that sort of sets your reality that that is what you are versus the type of empowering questions that are at the end of your book. Yeah, when my clients say to me, why can't I get this right? Why can't I do this? Why am I inconsistent? I say, you're solving for the wrong thing because now you're looking to make a case for why you can't. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about what you do beyond being a successful author of an amazing uh, book. W what is it that Elizabeth ben Benton does in the world for other people, Elizabeth? The thing that I, that I love the most and probably spend the most time on is my podcast, um, which is called Primal Potential. And I've been doing that Oh, gosh, uh, not as long as you have. I don't have over a 1,000 episodes yet, but I think I have about 800. Uh, 800 episodes of the podcast where I talk about all things mindset, creating change, getting out of your own way, 
Um, and then I also work with clients uh, about four times a year. I'll take on new clients to help them do the same. But that's, that's what I spend the majority of my time doing. So if someone would like to learn more about you as an author and podcaster and coach, the other work that you do, where would they go online to find you, Elizabeth? The easiest place is primalpotential.com. Um, otherwise, you can just search Primal Potential in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and the podcast will come right up. I want to thank you for being a friend of the program. Uh, members of the Critical Mass community who know of you and who uh, re have read your book and a part of your community bought me a copy of your book, frankly, and said that I had to read it, and I'm glad they did, and, and, and because it's brought me here to this moment of not only getting the value of reading your book, but actually having the opportunity to interview you here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I want to thank you personally for the words that you wrote on these pages and the positive impact that they've had on me, and I hope in some small way being on the show here opens up your message to, uh, to the audience that is the audience that listens to the Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Thank you so much for this very generous and exciting opportunity. I hope you have a great day and continue to make an impact on the lives of other people by asking all the right questions, Elizabeth. It has been great to have you on the show today. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Okay. I'd like to also thank our engineer for today, none other than Paul Roberts, and our three producers without whom we could not do this show every week, Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and our newest producer, Vanessa Holland, who is here in the studio with me today as she was last week. If you'd like to connect with me, I'd say let's start on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, spelled F-R-A-N-Z-I. And so our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 